Hi, I'm Jo Rochelle, and this is Girl Wonder, a thoughtful and relaxing podcast that analyzes comics on Webtoon. If you want to dive deep into theories and relive some of the biggest moments in your favorite Webtoons, then you're absolutely in the right place. Sit back, relax, and we'll get started. Today on the podcast, we're discussing episodes 134 through 137 of The Remarried Empress by Alphatart and Semple. That means we are confronting Rashta's dark past when it comes to the lies that Viscount Ladishu told her about her child, and now the Viscount's son is showing up with that child while she's sitting on the throne. We're also discussing Duke Kaufman and how Navir handles him, the consequences of his actions, and the brother of the woman who used to be personal maid to Rashta shows up and asks for help in finding where his sister is. Before we get into discussing all of that, I'd like to mention my Patreon page where I post early access to podcast episodes and give patrons the opportunity to join podcast episodes by adding their voice to the podcast. Right now, the next episode covering up to 140 of The Remarried Empress is already up on Patreon for early access, so you can join us at patreon.com girlwonder. The link is in the description box of this podcast episode. And before we start, our top cities that have listened to this podcast the most in the last seven days are Dallas, Spring, Jersey City, Stafford, Moscow, Morris, and Portland. Thank you all so much for listening to the podcast. I couldn't do it without you. All right, let's get into it. In episode 134 of The Remarried Empress, Silvishu has just said that he loves Navier, and it sends her reeling. Her response is, you must be joking. Did you think you could win me back by saying that? Silvishu says, no, I want you to laugh at me. I'd like our divorce to be something you can laugh at and not something that hurts you. I found that to be a very interesting sentence. And apparently so did Navier because she immediately starts crying. And just remembering all of the pain that Silvishu has put her through. So I felt like when I first read that sentence where Silvishu said, I want you to laugh at me. I'd like our divorce to be something you can laugh at and not something that hurts you. It's pretty complex. Like it felt like the most complexity we'd seen from Silvishu so far. Like maybe he truly meant that and he wanted her to feel better. But then when I read it again, I was like, hmm. Or he's just manipulating her. It's hard because Silvishu is typically the type of person that is just like upfront with how awful he is. Not to say that he's not being awful here. It just, it's, it hits different when he's like, I'm moving on. I still love you, but I want our divorce to be something you laugh at because I was a fool. You know, like that's a totally different energy from the Silvishu we've seen before. But it also could just be a different tactic of manipulation. So I had to look in the comment section and see what were people thinking about this moment. Kapu123 commented and said, Sovashu doesn't love her. He's not being honest here. Navir didn't need this fake ass apology to move on. All he's trying to accomplish is to distract her from her new marriage. She should be enjoying herself with Heinrich, but now she's angry, crying, sad, reeling the day after her wedding. Heinrich is good for her though. He's patient and he will help her heal. So this reader 
clearly felt like Sova Shu doesn't even love her, like isn't capable of loving her, and isn't even being honest in this conversation. Shoulder Devil commented on this same episode of the webtoon and said, eh, I think he could actually be in love with her. The problem is, it's a selfish kind of love. Like, he still believes there's a way for him to go back to how things used to be, probably because he's in denial about just how badly he has treated her. I kind of lean towards this description a bit more. Like, Sovashu could be in love with her as much as that man is capable of loving somebody, but it is a selfish kind of love. Kojitsunism commented and said, In the web novel, what he told her was genuine feeling from him. He realized he effed up majorly when he decided to divorce her and realized he made a major mistake, not saying that he deserves a second chance, but he ultimately realizes that he messed up and has to deal with the consequences of his actions and how he treated Navier. I don't know a lot about the web novel version of the remarried empress, but it does seem like the people in the comments who did read it, they are feeling like Sovashu does love her. And that doesn't change the fact that Navir deserves a better love than this. If this is what he has to offer, it's not good enough. Kalesi Kendall commented and said, Silvashu is the definition of manipulation. Those who manipulate and are narcissistic tell you how you should be feeling and what to do when they intentionally hurt you. They play the pity me card while subtly saying, pity me because I'm giving you this moment, not because of my previous actions or what I've done to you. It is still a power play and it's disgusting. Him and Rashta are perfect for each other. I feel bad for their kid because his slash her parents are going to be toxic AF. Yes, there are so many things I agree with in this comment as well. I never even thought about how they're going to have a baby together. That poor child. I feel so bad that Silvashu and Rashta are your parents. How are you going to turn out if they don't fix this? What are the chances of them going to therapy? Especially Rashta. I mean, Silvashu is not great by any means, but Rashta has been through it. We're going to talk about some of the trauma she's faced as a mother so far. She really needs to talk to somebody about this. And just to wrap up our conversation about whether Sovashu genuinely loves Navir or not, I feel like I agree with both sides. He was being manipulative. He is narcissistic. It's all about him still. Pity me. Think of me. Me, 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 me. Right? At the same time, for him, that might be genuine love. Like he's not faking it. At least that's what I think. And Navir, in her thoughts, is thinking, We may not have been in love but we were friends. To be honest, I may have had some feelings for you. I think she did. I, Looking back at those panels, she definitely had feelings for her friend, her comrade, the guy she was running an empire with, and the guy she was sleeping with. Like she just, how can you not have caught some feelings along the way through all those years, Navir? And I don't blame her for it. He broke her heart. And I think it's going to be such a big deal when she can finally admit that she's in love with someone. Because even here, she's like, we may not have been in love, but we were friends. I wonder if she needs some self-love first. <laughs> like, love herself, and then be able to admit that she loves somebody else romantically. Hopefully, it's her husband, Henry, someday that she can do that with. Later, Navir's having an existential crisis because she got confessed to multiple times in one day. Most specifically, Henry and then Sovashu. And she thinks to herself, I don't mean to put myself down, but I'm not exactly a fun person to be around. 
I'm more likely to be reading or going through documents than spending time with others. I'm boring. That was really hard to read. Isn't that sad that Navir doesn't find herself to be fun? She thinks she's really boring and that people wouldn't even want to be around her. It doesn't help that her best friend cheated on her and brought in a mistress and completely threw her to the curb threw her under the bus, pushed her out in front of it, and said, bus, run over my Empress Nevir. That is what happened to her. So of course, it's hard for her to really trust it when someone says, I love you. And she wonders how long Heinri will love her for. Because for her, love is conditional, and it's not everlasting. Because Sovashu, it was not everlasting. He was so fickle. I hope Heinri can prove to her that his love is in it for the long haul. When she does see Heinri, he's still going through it after being drugged by Duke Kaufman. He's just crying alone, (laughs) kind of looking pathetic, the poor thing. He can't seem to stop telling Navir how much he loves her. He's just like, I love you. I love you. The floodgates have opened. Now that he said it once, he keeps saying it. And I like that he says, you don't have to give me a response right now. I can wait a lifetime for your answer. I think that brings peace to Navir. You know, it's not selfish. And Sovashu is the definition of selfish. Like when you open up the dictionary, Sovashu is there. It's his picture from this webtoon. So <laughs> I feel like she's getting a breath of fresh air with Heinri saying that to her. Potato commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, As painful as this episode was, it was good to see her express herself and confront her feelings. She had to bottle it up inside and maintain her strong appearance. She is strong for what she's accomplished and been through. She's also vulnerable like the rest of us. I'm glad she's now with someone who fell in love with her and helped her through her troubled times. He's always been there for her. I think she must know at this point that Heinrich is a good friend. He was there for her as her husband, her ex-husband, was doing all of these things to her, and he came through with the promises that he made her. He asked her to be his queen, and look at her now. Unfortunately, all is not well in their empire because rumors are starting to spread about a scandalous rendezvous between Heinrich and Lady Krista the night of the wedding reception. Thanks a lot, Grand Duke Kaufman. Thanks. Thanks for this. We appreciate this so much. People love to gossip about royalty in this world, in our world. It just happens. So I am happy that the public seems to care about and side with Navir. Like they are not on Krista's side at all. Krista has done herself no favors. And the episode ends with her sitting there, determined to fix her reputation. KG commented and said, Krista, dot, 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 bow out gracefully. There is no good that will come from forcing the situation. Yeah, I'd be totally okay if Krista just faded into the background and left the kingdom, left the empire, and we didn't have to see her again, honestly. Like, she gambled and she lost. Girl, count your losses and go. When we come back from this short musical interlude, we are talking about Navier and Heinrich's miscommunication in bed and the consequences of Rashta's actions finally catching up to her. We'll be right back. In 
episode 135 of The Remarried Empress. We start off with really cute imagery of Heinrich and Navir in bed. She's lying with her head in his lap as he plays with her hair, and they discuss the matters of their empire. So it's just fun to see these two very powerful people, this power couple, relaxing and just chatting casually about the empire that they run. Heinrich asks subtly, don't you have anything you want to say to me? And Navir is totally confused. What do you mean? Henry says, I'll give you a hint. It's something that only married couples talk about. And Navir sits there in silence for a little bit, trying to figure out what he means. And then a light bulb goes off for her. She comes to a realization and she runs off and comes back with a to-do list of household matters that she would like to discuss with him. Oh, girl. <laughs> She's like, that's what you meant, right? She sees herself as boring. I see her as cute. She takes everything really seriously. This is just her personality. There's not much she can do about it. This is how she is. So Heinrich explains that he wanted to talk about something of a more intimate nature. And that's when she worries, like, didn't you say that I have a lifetime (laughs) to respond to your love confession? You know, she worries that in her head. And then they squabble about what side of the bed he's lying on. She's like, you're on my side. He's like, I wanted you to rest your head on my arm. (laughs) Very cute. Obsidian Fire commented about this on this episode of Webtoon and said, the cute thing with Navir and Heinrich's relationship is that such a miscommunication can take place and Heinrich thinks it's funny in a good-natured way rather than telling Navir something is wrong with her that she can't understand what is normal, which is what we've seen Sovishu doing to her. I thought that was really insightful. Yeah, Heinrich is much more accepting than Sovishu ever was. And, you know, he actually cares about Navir and sees all the different parts of her personality and seems to enjoy them. They get along so well. And then speaking of people who don't get along at all, who have maybe one of the most tumultuous relationships in this entire comic, we cut to Rashta and the Viscount. And Rashta demands to know where her transaction papers are. Because if you remember, Navir's brother, Kosair, kind of teased her, I don't know, threatened her, telling her that the papers of her transaction when she was a slave are somewhere hidden in the palace. It was taunting her, really. Because as we know, Kosair is not a fan of Rashta in the least. And now Rashta's unhinged. I'm not going to lie. She's kind of losing it. She's flying off the handle. If you look at her in these panels, in this conversation with the Viscount, she is upset, but beyond her normal realms of upset, I think. So she kicks him out. And as he returns home to his son, who shares a baby with Rashta, a baby with hair that looks exactly like Rashta's, a really cute kid, the Viscount tells his son to request an audience with the Emperor and Empress with Rashta and Sovashu. And the Viscount makes up a lie about how, yeah, this would cheer Rashta up to see Ian. And the son is reluctant. I don't know how much he believes his father, but he agrees to go with Ian to go see Rashta. Here's the thing. The minute I got to the scene, I was intensely excited to see the results of this. I want Rashta to be confronted in public by her child. I want it to happen in front of Sovashu. But at the same time, the Viscount is the one making this happen, and I am not rooting for the Viscount. I want to see how this plays out, but I'm not on his side. I don't think he's a good man, and 
he clearly, even in this scene, says it in his head. He just wants to hold power over Rashta. And you won't see me rooting for men who just want to hold power over women. No thank you. (laughs) And towards the end of the episode, we see a man who is very frustrated over Delise. So if you have forgotten, Delise is the one who discovered the blue feathers in Rashta's pillowcase in episode 123. And she was sweet and trusted Rashta and apologized even when Rasha turned the tables on her and said that it was Delise in cahoots with Empress Navir to hurt Rasha by planting these feathers that, girl, you put them there yourself. And we know that Rasha orchestrated for her maid Delise's tongue to be cut out, which was one of the most horrible things we've seen Rasha do. So I'm not rooting for her either. She went from a position of having no power in the Viscount's house to having ultimate power as empress of this great many nations. And she's like, yeah, I'm just going to hurt my maid, another woman who doesn't have nearly as much power as I do, who's lower class, who is a servant. Yeah, I'm just going to torture her and make her life a living hell. Rashta, you've learned nothing from your life experience. And now we're sitting here with Delisa's brother, who doesn't know where to look for his sister. And in his despair, he thinks of the Empress Rashta, who might know something. So he is going to also request an audience with Rashta. Not only is her baby coming, so is Delisa's brother. And I wrote in my notes, Oh Rashta honey, the consequences of your actions are catching up to you. Dark Angel 4121 commented and said, Shit is about to hit the fan soon. The guy at the end of this chapter who's worrying about where slash what happened to Delise is her brother Jonesen. He is the journalist for the Commoners newspaper. When he finds out that his precious hope of the Commoners, Rashta, was the one who not only falsely accused Delise for a crime she didn't commit, but also ordered to have her tongue cut out, he is going to be so pissed and use all of his resources to bring Rashta down. And it will be glorious to see. Oh, snap. (laughs) Yeah, I'm all here for consequences of her actions, and I would like those consequences to come swiftly. When we come back, a new player re-enters the game. A blast from Navir's past shows up, and Rashta does not like her. Big surprise. When has Rashta ever been a girl's girl? She's not for it. (laughs) We'll be right back. Episode 136, Rashta is still on the hunt for her transaction papers. And as she's looking for them, a pretty carriage shows up and Rashta demands to see who is inside. Like she's already sensing disrespect because the person didn't jump out of the carriage and bow down to their empress, I assume. I don't know. Rashta is just demanding to see who's inside. And the person who comes out has brown hair is wearing all yellow, and is a character from many episodes ago, Miss Evelie. I was like, that name rings a bell. And some people in the comments were very helpful and pointed towards episode 63. 
which is when Navir visits the Magic Academy and is told that Evely pushed herself too hard and fainted yesterday. Her mana completely dried up after that. It was revealed that Navir is Evely's sponsor, and she showed up to console her because her magic was gone. And Evely was really little here. Like, if you look at her physically, she looks like 10 years old. But she's probably older than that because now she looks like a young woman. And this young woman makes it very clear that she does not want to say hello to Rashta because Rashta is not the empress she knows. Hashtag not my empress. <laughs> it happened. Hashtag not my empress is now a character and that character is Evely. It's revealed that Evely is his majesty's guest, Silvashu's guest, which Rashta immediately is like, uh-oh, this is not good. She questions it immediately. And Rashta, if you look at her, there's a panel here in episode 136 where I, I wrote in my notes, she made the most uppity face in this chapter as she narrows her eyes at Evely, wondering who this woman is. Look at that panel with Rashta narrowing her eyes at her. Doesn't she look uppity? <laughs> she just looks like so judgy and mad. Not that Evely was kind or respectful to her whatsoever, but also, I don't think Rashta earned that respect as an empress. This chapter reminds you that Evely was a promising mage in the past, but she can't use her magic now. And she clearly has an attitude when it comes to Rashta. She is hashtag team Navir. Navir was her sponsor. She loves Navir. And if you look back at episode 63, you can see why. They have a close relationship. They hugged. She was consoled by Navir when she was crying. And Navir really related to her because... Evely tied her worth as a person to her ability to do magic. And Navir tied her worth as a person to being an empress. And when it looked like she was going to lose it all because Silvashu was just upheaving her entire life, she connected with Evely over that. And I thought that was really poignant writing. And now we get why that bond is so strong and why Evely could never be like, oh, I love Rashta. No. <laughs> Diana Herrera commented on this episode and said, it's refreshing that we finally get a commoner who doesn't worship Rashta and even says it to her face. We stand Evely. Yeah, I like Evely. She's not rubbed me the wrong way, even if she's being rude to Rashta. Evely goes straight to see Emperor Silvershu, but she thinks to herself, he's never visited me, even once. Why does he want to see me now that Empress Navir has left? So what if he's the emperor? That doesn't mean a thing. She doesn't blindly bow down to authority, does she? That makes me like her even more. I will say there was a moment when she walked in and she was like surprised maybe by how handsome and put together Sova she was, but I'm going to let that slide because I don't think she caught feelings or anything because that would make me be like, oh no, we've got to save this girl. <laughs> no, 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 no. But I think what she was experiencing was that thing where, you know how when you were younger and you watched Disney or all the younger cartoons and the villains looked villainous. They looked evil. They were painted to look cruel or haggard or harsh. And here, Sovashu, he's not like ugly. He's not a horrible looking person. And I think Evely was surprised because she expected to see someone horrendous because of his horrible actions, if that makes sense. At least that's just my theory for now. One thing she does do is she demands to know why she's been summoned to the palace. Is he angry with her or is he trying to make her his mistress? Because those are the rumors right now. Silvashu says it's neither. And I had to breathe a little tiny sigh of relief because I did not want her to be 
his mistress. There is this tiny part of me that wants Rashta to taste her own medicine and Sovashu to bring in a mistress, but I didn't want it to be Evelie. She's way too young. And I also didn't want to see Sovashu with another mistress. No, thank you. I don't want that. <laughs> it might happen though. And if it does, there will be a little part of me that's like, see Rashta, see how it felt? Because she did not have any compassion for the Empress in that situation. So for her to be the Empress and be in that perspective now would feel like a little bit of sweet justice. But ultimately, do I want to sit through Sovashu making doe eyes with another mistress? Not really. No, thank you. He gets to the point, which is that he brought Evelie to be an assistant to a scholar studying magic. She asks if she can stay in the palace, even though that might cause more rumors. And he says yes. And he just warns her that, yeah, people are going to talk about that. I wonder if she on purpose wants to start up the rumor mill, sow discord between Rasha and Sovashu. Or if she just really wanted to stay in that South Palace. I can't tell yet. But the episode ends with two men and a baby ready to see Rashta. KQNH commented on this episode of the webtoon and said, Papa Allen and Delisa's brother are locked and loaded for that meeting. And when we come back, we are talking about Rashta having some very concerning thoughts about babies. We'll be right back. Episode 137, Alan and Jonesen make it inside to see Rashta and Sovashu sitting on their thrones. The moment has come. Rashta sees her baby in Alan's arms, and the smile on her face immediately disappears. And guess what? Sovashu already knows. He immediately clocks what's happening. He thinks to himself, that child is Rashta's firstborn. So she's going through all of this, trying to hide things, trying to lie, trying to keep Sovashu in the dark. For what? He pretty much knows everything. He knows that's her child. He knows about the transaction papers. He knows it all. And yet Rashta is still on edge and cannot find peace in this life. Alan asks for Rashta to bless the child. It was actually really interesting how he phrased it. Being like, you are the mother of this nation, so you can bless this child in a motherly way. And guess what? She's doing this in front of a journalist, Delisa's brother, who is watching. And Rashta can't refuse. She thinks about refusing, but she really can't. When she holds her baby, Ian, you see in the panel something in her shatters. She flinches and flashes back to a really, really dark time after giving birth thinking, the dead baby the Viscount handed me was stiff and cold. I really needed this quick flashback. One, just to temper Rashta out a little bit and remember that she had a really dark past. Like, horrible things happened to her that should not happen to any human being. I had forgotten. And I had specifically forgotten how cruel the Viscount was that he did that to her. 
And then she looks down at the baby in her arms, Ian, who's like a breath of fresh air, really cute baby. And she thinks to herself, if this baby suddenly dies like the other one, dot, 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 exclamation point. That thought in Rashta's head threw me for a loop. I did not expect it. And I honestly don't know if I completely understand it because it could be interpreted a few different ways. She could be frightened. If this baby suddenly dies like the other one, like what will she do, dot, 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 right? Or is it a plan? Is it a horrible, wicked plan that she's coming up with? Because I I didn't think that. I thought she was worried about this baby someday dying, you know, worried that like he's healthy now, but what if something happens to him? That's where my brain went until I looked at the comments section and people think she meant to kill her own son. What do you think? Which way do you lean in this debate? Do you think Rashta really could do something like that or even think something like that? Sprite OLC commented and said, I think she wanted to kill Ian. Her comment was that Ian could die just like the other one, the one that the Viscount handed to her. She is utterly unhinged. She's hormonal and she sees everyone and everything as a threat to her web of lies and is willing to kill her son to keep something that Sovashu already knows about a secret. That's the kicker. He knows, but he doesn't care. Raina Love 22 commented and said, I don't think she's going to kill him. I think she's just shocked that he's really alive. Right? That's what I thought at first, too. But now seeing the other comments, mm, I'm really torn. It could be either way. Werewolf130 commented and said, Rashta has done a lot of horrible things, but I pity her. I can't even imagine how mentally and emotionally damaging it was to give birth alone in what looks like a cellar. Then to have someone tell you the baby died and hand you a dead baby. Then the whiplash of finding out said baby is alive. I don't excuse Rashta by any means, but I do believe a lot of how she acts is a product of all of her trauma. I want to give this comment like a round of applause. I really like that. It does not excuse her cutting out Delisa's tongue. It does not excuse her cruelty or her narcissism. However, it shows you why she is the way that she is. And that's what makes a villain really great is when you can understand how they became that way. Next up is the journalist who Rashta immediately recognizes. And because he wrote such a great article about her being the commoner's empress, you know, someone who's really there for commoners, eh, she's not. That's the truth. She's not. But the journalist doesn't know that. And Rashta is so pleased. She's like, lucky me, a journalist who likes me is here. No matter what happens in this room, it's going to come out positively for her. At least that's what she thinks until... He makes it clear he's looking for his sister, Delise, who was Rashta's maid. Look at Rashta's face when she hears this. The amount of shock that she's experiencing, she could replace Pikachu in a heartbeat as that meme. The shocked Pikachu face could just be Rashta because she's constantly shocked. And when she recovers from being shocked, she chooses to lie and say that Delise quit because the work was too demanding. I will say this journalist is asking the wrong people. He needs to go find another maid, you know, find some other maids who work with Rashta and ask what happened to Delise because I feel like they would tell him the truth. 
But Silva Shu says he'll conduct a thorough investigation. Once again, Rashta is Pikachu. Her man just said they will look into this <laughs> when he knows full well that she ordered that woman's tongue to be cut out. Meanwhile, back in the Western Empire, people are talking about the rumors of Heinrich and Lady Krista having an affair. And some of these people are Navier's ladies who are discussing it with her. And they are mad. And some of them came from the Eastern Empire. And they know what it was like for the emperor to be cheating on Navier. And they do not want this to be a cycle. And they're just like, ah. And one of them makes a comment that is very interesting. Capu123 in the comments section mentions it. How Navier and Heinrich are so passionate that she has to dress in high-necked gowns. Yes. Don WJ commented and said, in the novel, it does say Heinrich loves to give Navier love bites. <laughs> you can't tell me those two don't have feelings for each other. Heinrich, yes, he's in love. But Navier, you are catching feelings too. This man is giving you love bites. You are having to alter your wardrobe because of how passionate you guys are in bed. Okay. <laughs> anyway, Navier decides at the end of the episode that she needs to discuss this Krista issue with Heinrich. And I'm very curious to see what will happen next, and how Krista will be dealt with. And there you have it. That was our breakdown of episodes 134 through 137 of The Remarried Empress. The episode that breaks down 138 through 140 is already up on Patreon, and I will continue to update them as soon as I record them on Patreon. The link is in the description box. All right, let's wrap this up. Wow, you made it to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Girl Wonder. We currently have no sponsors, so here's a shout out to a random listener instead. This week's shout out goes to OMG Cookies on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. New episodes of Girl Wonder are typically uploaded on Saturdays. I'm Joe Rochelle, and we'll talk again next week. Bye.